It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thanks to Rain and on Darwin. We will love your listing. Robbie, a bit of another rush this morning. It always seems to be that way during the public holiday. Of course, Darwin's show day today. Are you going to the yep. show, mate? No, nah, I'm not, mate. I'm just giving the kids some money and then they can go. Are you going to head down there, mate? Well, I was normally a show guy. This is always my favourite day of the calendar, or at least it was as a child growing up in Darwin. But I don't know. I don't have that motivation this year. I don't know if I have the thrill ride in me right at the moment. I went to um, Six Flags and... California, which is a bit of a flex, obviously, but um, yep. I, you know, when you go there and you've gone to Dreamworld a couple of times, it sort of loses its appeal a little bit. But um, you know, if someone's going to shout me a ride on the zipper, why not? Yeah, definitely. But went to the AFL Masters last night, so played a little game there, um, and was surprised at the standard. It was pretty good. Um, yep. A couple of players with some NTFL Premier League experience running around, Henry Armour running around um, mm. with the same intensity that he did in the grand finals that he played in for the Crocs, but um, did really well and uh, it was a good little occasion. You, you feel like with a young guy out there and it gives you a new lease of life when you're training with AFL Masters sometimes, but I copped a corky in the second quarter and feeling it a bit today. Um, have you ever thought about going down to AFL Masters at some point? You're only a couple of years away no, now. I don't think so. I might just to keep fit maybe, but um, what was it, a, a trial match? A pr- yeah, they so every fortnight they play a Thursday afternoon game um, oh, and they do other events as well. They are at the beach last week and sometimes they play on the occasional Sunday or State of Origin day. Um, but yeah, good little community at the AFL Masters. There's bases out at the Ferrells, which is in Humpty Doo. Um, yep. I think that's at Norbilt Oval. Uh, Palmerston Falcons, which is a bit of a throwback to the old Tifa team. They were called the Falcons, but they're out of Palmerston. Yep. Um, again, I think maybe Rosebury High School without knowing for sure. Um, yep. And then they got the Townies, which are at Wagaman. So if you are looking for a kick of the footy, you do have to be 35, but I'm not, and I go down there just for a bit of extra practice. So I'm sure that uh, everyone is welcome. It's a good little community down there. So get down to AFL Masters. Um, Rob, when will Banks start training? Any new signings to announce? How's all that stuff going? No, not, not, not too many signings to announce so far. But, um, yeah, we're going to start training on the 10th. It makes it a bit tricky with the Cup on the 7th and mm. then 8th recovery day for most blokes. So, yeah, probably start on the Thursday and down at Moyle Oval there. So um, not much on the down recruitment front. Yeah, we're at Moyle to start. Jeez. Um Northern Suburbs Club. Yeah, so just down there. But, um yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. We've got a few signings, but a few more blokes need to relocate and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how we go. I've got a meeting with two Bombers next week, so we'll be able to see where they're, they're at with their footy club as well and how this partnership's working. So that should be exciting as well. Obviously, you have to be pretty diplomatic here on the show, but what are you trying to get out of the Tiwi Bombers meeting? Is that just establishing what that partnership looks like, uh, what players will be available at both grades, and basically just sort of nutting out a plan moving forward? Yeah, it does seem like that um, the guys will train with us probably on Tuesdays, definitely. Um, or with Patrick Bowden down there on Tuesdays and then Thursdays. Seems like he'll probably be away um, at the islands um, trying to summon his side and, you know, pick his team and that sort of thing. So Tuesdays look like it'll be a good training night for us as a club. Um, being able to have, you know, 10 Tiwi players down there is going to be pretty handy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we know they've got a few good local Darwin-based players who should lift the standard of our training as well. Yeah, obviously you have recruited some local players to come across already. How do you prepare for a Banks preseason? Are you expecting? Um, and, I, and 
Also, I don't think I've ever really asked you, what was Waratah's preseason like in regards to numbers? Because when people criticise these teams like Waratah, and Banks are probably in that category, they say, well, it's just a transient club, a lot of people from interstate come and go. Um, do you get good numbers for preseason? No, well, you, you probably get your 20 to 25, and I think that's what's the numbers that have, um, most other clubs are getting as well. Um, St Mary's have started early doing their own preseason running, that about 10 there, and um, talking to Cohen Tealy though um, on the phone last week he sort of said oh it's just about getting some run into the blokes that are here and I mm. think probably that's just what how you take it because numbers wise you know you don't have a whole lot and then I reckon at Waratahs there we, we in that grand final year that we lost I reckon there would have been probably four or five from the grand final side of pre-season. Mm. So it is very transient isn't it? People oh, just yeah. rocking up. But even the local clubs are a bit like that too. Yeah definitely. So, so but if you can get some run and, and that sort of thing into some of the blokes' legs, and you know, and there could be a couple of bolters that surprise mm. you. But you know, might have a few random drop up that can actually you know play very well. So yeah, I think some footy clubs get that. Yeah, get lucky. Um, get lucky. Willie Rioli had his striking suspension reduced from two weeks to one at the AFL tribunal. Port Adelaide's lawyer successfully argued that Rioli's slap on Nathan Murphy was low impact instead of medium. Um, it's been very hard to predict tribunal outcomes this year, but I do feel that common sense has prevailed here. Uh, there wasn't a lot in the slap, obviously, when you talk about force, but it was enough to knock Nathan Murphy down. People, including myself, have spoken about whether he was staging and things like that. But at the same time, you're not expecting a hit like that when you're playing football. Um, some would say that maybe he should be if he's going to engage in a little wrestle and a bit of push and shove off the ball. But I still give Murphy somewhat of the benefit of the doubt there. Um, the head is sacrosanct. You can't take... You can't touch the head, um, and Willie obviously didn't act it, I'm sure. He will regret, um, doesn't give any kind of right to the gutter trash that are abusing Willie online and sending him messages, like, I don't know why you do it. Um, so that's pretty disappointing to see. But big news, another reality uh, in the news. We spoke about Morris last week. Guys, Willie, so what was your take on that one? Yeah, I think just the whole action of it. You can't be swinging your arm it like didn't that. Look good, did it didn't look good, doesn't look good for the game, really. But, um, yeah, it is your one week regardless. I, I thought two was pretty excessive, really. And, mm. and you know, in our footy group chat that we have with other others, or you know, they, um, you know, they argued that point. And I said, you know, obviously it was probably an obvious thing, but I said that's what they'll challenge the impact and, mm. and the staging aspect of it. And, you know, it is a one week or so. It's a tad disappointing for him, but because, um, you know, coming into finals, you're going to play as much footy as you can. Plus, big game this weekend, the showdown. So, mm. speaking of that, we will talk all the upcoming football this weekend. We'll talk about all of last week's games as well. Yep. Try and touch on as much local stuff as possible and much, much more here today on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Live on SEN Top End, 16, 11 a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End. With Jackson Clark, Raf Clark, and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16 11am. This is Fridays in the Top End. With Jackson Clark, Raf Clark, and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SDN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Remember to swing us a text on 0426 307 269. 0426 307 269 if you want to let the guru know that he's wrong, which is... Uh, um 
very rare, according to the guru. Hey, let's talk about Chris. Um, I was wanting to ask Raf this question because I thought that you know he could probably relate, maybe going through similar experiences as a young player at mm. St Kilda. Um, but he had a couple of great rundown tackles last weekend back for Sandringham. Uh, Sandringham played Collingwood and lost by about, I think, 16 points from memory. They actually showed the game on Channel 7 up in Darwin, so any Darwin viewer um, could have watched that one live. Yeah. Still seems strange to me that he was omitted from St Kilda's team after what I thought was a fairly impressive debut. You know, it wasn't a John Coleman kicking 12 on debut or, or Dean Polo winning the Dreamtime medal, but it was enough that I thought, hey, he has genuine AFL traits and, and one to build for for the future. Let's face it, St Kilda, um, they're not flying at the moment. Did that one surprise you? And do you think that he should play more AFL football in 2023? Yeah, definitely. Definitely surprised me considering their injury list as well. And he sort of performed. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't look out of place really in a pretty disappointing game against Gold Coast for the club. Mm. Um but yeah, it was a very weird one. Um, and obviously, all the uh, fantasy people didn't think that was going to happen because I think he was the second Highly most, in, yeah. yeah, second most traded player. But um, yeah, I, it's definitely surprised me. I mm. never thought because I spoke to his stepdad, um, Scott Appleton, um, when Nycliffe didn't pick him in round one mm. or something like that. Nycliffe weren't picking him, and Nycliffe, this was a very strong Nycliffe side though. And um, he said, oh, "I'll stuff him anyway. He's going to St Kilda." And I thought, "Geez, I don't." Didn't don't think St mm. Kilda were grabbing him, and then St Kilda did get him as a Category B, albeit. So I just, you know, I was a, a tad surprised with that. Were you surprised at all? He was pretty raw, so yeah. he was a player that you'd hear a little bit about. And I always actually had the confidence in Jack, just because when I was doing those interviewing young kids and that sort of stuff, I was trying to like earmark players who I thought, oh, in ten years' time they'll be playing AFL. So I just thought with that Paris name, he was always going to be a kid with that athletic background. When I met him at 11 years old, he it was like talking to a 16, 17-year-old. He was so driven. Um, he knew exactly what he wanted out of life. If you go back and listen to the interview now, he's pretty much achieved that. He said he wanted to play in the AFL and then eventually go to the Olympics. And whether that seems far-fetched or whatever, I'm pretty sure that's actually still somewhat on the cards or still something mm. in the back of his mind that he might want to sort of transition into athletics after footy. Yep. Um, so he's done really well. And then the next thing I heard about Jack was when he was at Melbourne Grammar and Tom Morris, I think, reported that he had 26 or 27 tackles in a single game of, of school footy and I thought they are absurd numbers and even if they're fabricated mm. let's say he's had 20 tackles it clearly shows that he's got that defensive side of his game he had that athletics background he's super quick he's got genetics on his side he's got the family bloodlines he's got a great work rate um, and is a ferocious tackler I thought you put all those things together and there's going to be something to work with but you're right we never saw him we never saw him playing at um, Nightcliff Premier League level dominating um, I thought he showed a few signs in that game that you coached didn't you? Was it like Team Jeffrey versus Team Someone? The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I yeah, thought he was played in that one and maybe had, maybe had something like 14 disposals and a couple of goals. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll talk more about Jack Perris. We'll talk more about the other Territory AFL players and, of course, all um, all the stuff that's going on down south. Stay with us here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16, 11 a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark. Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Remember the text line 0426 307 269. 
Rob, we have spoken about your appointment to Banks. We've spoken about how Raf has re-signed at the St. Mary's Sharks. There's been announced during the week, and that is William Willie Baird has been appointed as Tracy Village slash Tiwi Bombers' women's Premier League coach. Pretty important team to coach that one, I think. Um, it's an interesting alignment, having the women's aligned with the Tracy Village Football Club, um, and then the men's are aligned with Banks. That seems a little bit strange to me. Um, Willie's appointment... Uh, Good luck to Willie. He has had experience coaching the Darnell Buffaloes. He loves his footy. He lives in Breezet, um, has been at Palmerston as well, and has had experience down south. So he's certainly been at a lot of uh, football clubs and will bring that experience to, to the women players at Tracy Village and the Bombers. Yeah, it is an interesting um, setup there. Um, I'm not too sure the reasoning behind that one. But, um, yeah, Terry Bombers were pretty good last year. Um, what was they think maybe one? I think they were just outside the finals. One went outside the mm. finals. And they had they played a game against Waratahs that I actually commentated, and they should have won that. They just didn't, like they just mm. fell that you know, fell in the last bit and had all these inside fifties and couldn't score. And did, Waratahs had a few very very strong girls down back, so they can bring in some key position players from Tracy Village. Mm. Perhaps they might be up for you know another finals campaign, um, getting in there and having a crack. Yeah, well, I think no doubt their um, their best could be good enough to to do something in the finals. Plenty more to come here. Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Remember to swing us a text at 0426 307 269. 0426 307 269. Hey, Robert, I don't know if you were watching much of the football news this week, but there is talking of a contract extension for Nick Dacos. The, it would allegedly make him the highest ever paid 21-year-old. Thoughts on that? I know I haven't given you a lot of information to work off, but um, they're talking about a deal that perhaps could go into the end of 2029. I don't know if you've heard anything, but I haven't heard the exact figure just yet. No, I haven't either. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing it would be around the 1.2 to 1.5 mil a year, perhaps. If they're talking about the highest paid... Well, who is the highest paid 21-year-old ever? Like, automatically, you've got Tom Boyd, who left GWS on over a million a year. So mm. it would have to be over a million a year if they're going to talk those numbers. Yeah, it definitely would have to be. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a massive... Um, yeah, it's, it's the way that the football's gone these days now, isn't it, though, with the um, long-term ones, contracts? Yeah. Um, Obviously, Mason Redmond got a five-year, and then a few other guys, and a few of the Adelaide Crows boys have signed on. Toronto and Hopper have seven each. Yep, seven. So, yeah, it is a sign of the times a bit more. A few more. of the Demons players. I think it's short. probably better for a list management point of view because you can load up contracts at the front end and stuff mm. like that. So I think football clubs are doing that a bit more now, aren't they? I think, like most professions... They're trying to strive for stability and systems mm. and things they can rely upon. And the more, you know, if you can say, well, we've got Nick Dacos on our books for the, le- the next seven years, it gives them a lot of, you know, a clearer picture about where their salary lies, where their salary is going to lie three or four years down the track, um, which players they can potentially target in free agency and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. Obviously, it has its pros and cons. The obvious cons being, you know, what happens if Nick Dacos comes out and does his knee next year or, or has repeated mm. injuries or something like that. Um, but, I mean, out of all the players you would offer, if there was any player in the AFL that you would offer an, a nine, ten-year deal to, it would have to be Nick Dacos as a bloke who already at the age of 20, 21 is playing elite-level football. Hypothetically mm. speaking, this hasn't been a rumour or anything like that, but hypothetically, would you pay Nick Dacos $10 million for 10 years? Yeah, I don't know if you'd get him for that though. No, I don't think so. I don't think you would. <laughs> so yeah. I think with silly the, question. Yeah, with the CBA going up as well, so yeah. there must be like projected something there. So 
obviously he doesn't want to be a shortfall, so there'd be no doubt that he's got a juicy enough contract there. And it does give him... I think his brother might be signing for longer, apparently, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I heard a bit about that too. Um, just while we're talking about Nick Dacos, what were your thoughts on his performance last week? I know first we will throw to what Brad Johnson, the former Western Bulldogs champion, had to say about Nick Dacos and the tagging role last week. And I only say it off the back, kind of, and Jared, on having been in a, in a situation of being tagged before and you've tagged Kane, you know exactly what it's like um, to be able to do that and defeat to potentially defeat an opposition player. But I think what he learns from this game, it's probably more what he learns from this game, is the most significant learning game yep. for his future going forward. That's it. it looks like that's it. Yep. Um, I heard some other quotes from him as well. Yeah, well, there was he had plenty to say during the week, Brad Johnson. He also hey, spoke later about uh, if Buddy Franklin played next year, which we might play a bit later, not just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were your thoughts on Nick Dacos last weekend? I thought he was classy. I think, what was his stats? Maybe 25 and a goal or something like that. Yeah. Um, however, he's always going to get 25 and a goal, probably, if he's playing that role. And, you know, you have an AFL team told, basically, get the ball into the Silks' hand, get the ball into Nick Dacos' hands as much as possible. Um, I still thought Willem Drew played his part. I thought Willem Drew played okay last week. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think he helped himself to the pill as well, Willem Drew. So, um yeah, I thought it was a good job. I think it's one of those things, though, you're doomed if you do, doomed if you yeah. don't. If he goes and has... But I think they give him the footy a lot, but, the you know, they're constantly giving him the football, but it's a, it's a, it's a weird one because the quality of possession does come into it. If you highly pressure him, he can turn it over. Um, mm. He obviously is an elite ball user, so that's... You know, I think Anzac Day Bomber's done it well for the first half. He had a, he, he had 15 touches at half time, and mm. not much of it was effective. It was all handballs around the back in the back half. Yeah. Um, so I think... I think the tagging job was done well, um, and the shackles were released a bit in the second half on him. So, so essentially with Dacos, we're looking at the quality of disposal, not the mm. number of disposals, because he's always going to get pretty big numbers. If Dacos is struggling, mm. if he's having a bad game, he's probably going to have that option to put himself in the back line or at least get some easier ball to bring himself mm. into the game. And even bad games for Dacos into the future, I'm suspecting, will be 20, 25, 30 disposals. Um, mm. And his elite games will be those ones where he does get a lot of the ball, 35 touches, but probably those ones where he gets it more forward of the centre and can hit mm. those forwards up um, and then hit the scoreboard himself. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's given... It shows for Port Adelaide that you know the William Drute will, will work um, to a good effect and Dacos will have to deal with that at the time comes and two weeks time I think they verse Hawthorne so the tag will come oh, yeah. there so it'll be interesting to see what happens there as well is he the best tagger in the comp Guinness? yeah I think so yep that um, roll on Kelly was unbelievable was keeping Josh Kelly to six disposals yeah that was, um, that was freak ridiculous um but I don't know if, Charles, uh, if Ed Kerno come in this week, but Ed Kerno was omitted, I believe. Was he admitted? Yes. I don't. I don't think uh, Carlton are going to do anything with him today. So, but it should be an interesting watch for that game. Um, I th- I massive think game. The media speculation is that Carlton might put George Hewitt onto him. Yep. Do you like that matchup? It's a tough one. Yeah. He's a bigger body, Hewitt. I don't know whether he has that zip in him to sort of run around um, with Dacos. And we know that Ed Kerno probably does. Ed Kerno's a great runner. Um, more more of that long-distance endurance runner, but still still has a bit of toe on him. Um, it's an interesting one. I think you would... I feel uncomfortable if I was coaching, and you're the coach here, but I feel uncomfortable letting a player like Nick Dacos go completely unrestrained. Um, it has to either be like a team defence, hey, we get a body on him whenever he's passed, or we do these things to restrict where Dacos is getting the ball, or the good old-fashioned hard tag, and you stick someone like a Hewitt on him and just see how he goes. Um, 
obviously super drastic, but you could almost have Hewitt playing on. Have you ever utilized the sub as the tagger? So you could almost have Hewitt starting on him, um, and then eventually if that doesn't work, or if Dacos is killing him, they can bring Ed Kerno on as a sub, and, or in some role maybe to give a fresh Ed Kerno to tag Dacos halfway through the game. It, it's, it's crazy, but who knows? Maybe they have to do that to quell his influence. If you're yep. Ken Hinckley, do you stick with Drew again next time you play? Yeah, I do, especially in a big final. Um, and don't relax it a bit in the last quarter. I think Rosie and Butters might have been having, having moments on him in the last. So mm. um, Connor Rosie was exceptional, though. He's the best player on the ground. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's given him, you know... William Drew, must, he must be, have to be able to have a tank because... Mm. He must have a tank because Nick Dacos has a massive tank. So I think that's what's, you know, helped. And um, I don't know how big Hewitt's tank is that a run with Dacos all, all night tonight. No, exactly right. I think that would be the concern. He did do a little bit of tagging during his time at Sydney. Let's go through some of the talking points from last weekend, just so the show flows together a little bit more. Um, let's stick to that game, Port Adelaide versus Collingwood, because it was the match of the round. Collingwood 13-7, defeated the Power 12-11-83. Um, I was wrong. I was wrong. I spoke to Craig Driver last week, and I thought that Collingwood would have been a lot more easier than what they did. Um, but Port were up for the challenge. They played very well. Zach Butters played great. I thought Connor Rosie was really good. 28 disposals and two goals. I know we've disagreed before. We haven't had a ferocious argument, but we've spoken about whether Connor Rosie can stand up in big finals games and big pressure games. And I think I'm probably a slightly more positive than you are on, on my viewpoint on Rosie there. Um, Sam Powell Pepper, 17 disposals, two goals, seven tackles. I thought Willie had some good moments too. Obviously, before the incident, that we'll see him miss a week. Dan Houston's playing good footy, but of course, the power um, got the job done in the end. Jamie Elliott might be the most clutch player I've ever seen in my life. The amount of times Jamie Elliott has had big moments late in the game is simply phenomenal. He had the Essendon game last year, the Carlton game last year, and I think there are a couple of other little lower profile ones as well. But again, he was important last weekend. I think it was a match of the round, one of the matches of the season, a potential grand final preview. Yeah, you've asked me about four questions, yeah. so I'll just try to think just, which just one to answer. Just answer them one by one. Um, yeah, so Jamie Elliott, I think he would have been one of Collingwood's greats if he wasn't injured all the time. Um, and he's making one a of late Collingwood's change. greats, like in the Dacos mold or something. Peter Dacos. Oh, I don't know about that high, but he's you know he's definitely missed over a hundred games of football, mm. I'd say, through injury. Um, and he showed so. And then I even thought at the start of the year that he possibly could be done before he had a rest. Yeah, same. Um, so he's just come back in spectacular form. Um, yeah, the Connor Rosie stuff. I think. Um, just looking at the top four sides, I'm just a tad more critical on those on Port Adelaide's midfield, considering their youth, mm. um, compared to Brisbane Lions and Melbourne. So I think that's sort of some of my criticism as well. But so they you, did stand up a bit. I, I love butting in and asking you even more questions, but you favour that bigger bodied experience over youthful speed and energy? At in the finals? moment in a final. Um, but they can prove you wrong. Uh, they were good on the weekend, obviously, but mm. that's playing in Adelaide in front of their crowd. Um, how they're going to go at the G... Away from that comfort is going to be another thing, mm. um, but that's there's always a new team that comes up and surprises everyone, you know. Like so, that might happen. But I'm sort of favouring Melbourne and Brisbane a tad over Port Adelaide at the moment. Yeah. Um, just I just thought Port I tipped Port. I thought you know in Adelaide they should win, um, and they were in the position to win and they didn't. So I was a bit disappointed. I will be it behind a, a goal, um, but. Those matches were there for him to win. It was a great game of footy, though, and it sort of shows, yeah, um, how much difference does it make that game being played at the G? Maybe four goals, maybe, or it could be Mm. wrong. So, um, Where do you see Tom Mitchell at? 
Yeah, Brownlow it's an interesting one. I think he's in that club of players that, like, there are a whole group of players that are out of favour at the AFL club that could step straight in and get 25 or 30 disposals in an AFL game. So you've got, like, Tom Mitchell's one of them. Mm. Matt Crouch has only played two games this year. Um, I believe Brandon Parfitt would be a 20 to 30 possession midfielder. You know, even guys like when Will Setterfield's out of favour. There's a lot of players that can come in and play that inside midfield role. Mm. But if you lack a little bit of pace and lack a little bit of athleticism and you're not versatile and can't be swung into different positions, you're in big, big trouble. And I think Tom Mitchell, even as a Brownlow medalist, as recently as 2018, has sort of found himself in that category. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe it's a horses for courses for Mitchell. Um, perhaps now, again, if they're playing a final against Port Adelaide, he might not play mm. just with the pace of the Port Adelaide midfield. Um, but if he's playing against Melbourne or someone like that that might have a slower, mid, more of a slower midfield, then maybe he's a chance to play against those, those sides. So... Could be a bit like that. Now, I've known that also, I think, all the clubs are sort of swarming around the Collingwood VFL side and watching there. So mm. just all the blokes that can't get into that strong Collingwood like side. Like Finn McRae types. Yeah, Finn McRae. A um, couple of others, I think. Yes. Even maybe Jack Innovan, who we can speak oh, about Jack later. Jack Innovan, yep. Definitely 29 play. disposals on the weekend. Yep. So definitely putting him into the midfield ranges, um, you know, working wonders for him. And who knows what will happen there. Maybe he'll retire and get 50 disposals a game up here. Uh, Tom Mitchell, that'd be great to see. But mm. I think um, what's hurting Mitchell a little bit is the inclusion and decent form of Patrick Lipinski. So the player they got off the Western Bulldogs a few years ago um, has missed, I think, through injury a lot of the year. He's sort of been away, but he um, is quite a good player and I think in favour from Craig McRae and the rest of the Collingwood coaching staff. Mm. Plenty more of AFL to come, plenty more sport. Stay with us, SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Want to be treated like a very important punter, Robert? Getsetbet.com.au. Do we have Craig Driver from Getsetbet? I'm here, guys. How are we? Very good, mate. Hey, there's a big game of footy on tonight. Where do you see this one going? Oh, wouldn't you love to be there? Uh, oh, mate. That'd be huge. Um, oh, look, yeah, as you'd expect, Collingwood are the favourites at $1.37, uh, Carlton three fifteen, and Collingwood giving up 15 and a half. Oh, look, I don't know about you guys, but oh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Carlton, uh, you know, pull off the big upset here. They've just been flying. Yeah, I, I am... Craig, we... I don't want to say great minds think alike because that is very arrogant of me. Um, but we are on the same page here. We were both wrong last week with Port Adelaide. Um, but I am also oh, in the yeah. on the Carlton bandwagon. Yeah, look, um, I, I absolutely am. You know, their last five matches, have, you know, it's been a massive turnaround. Uh, they get Cripps back this week. Um, Chair is back as well. Collingwood, sure, both sides have won five in a row, and Collingwood keep winning. But you know, Carlton have been super impressive. They've really got to uh, win to get that spot in the eight. I, I certainly think the fifteen and a half start is a luxury, uh, and mm. I, I think Carlton will be covering that start tonight. I think punters also need to know that um, there are rumours of an illness going through the Collingwood camp as well, so I think that's going to make make it a lot more appealing for punters to back Carlton at the line. Yeah, I think the, that reputed bet, apparently one customer, and, and, and I've, I've, I've hastened to say not with Get Set Bet, 
that one customer has had a million dollar bet on the pies tonight at a dollar oh, forty. Wow. Uh, I think he might have been getting a little bit of a hippie hippie shake when he heard about the virus going through the camp. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, you'd be very nervous, gee. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be putting a million dollars on pies unless I was the doctor treating these blokes. I'd have to make absolute sure. Absolutely, yeah. Look, hey. uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be closer uh, than a lot of people think. And as I say, I think Carlton. Uh, good things, maybe, to win the, to, to cover the line, 15 and a half. I think it'll be a close one. Yeah, I agree. Hey, the Women's World Cup is also on at the moment. What do you have for us there? Yeah, look, obviously, pretty disappointing result last night. Oh, yeah. Um, look, USA is still the favourites to win it. They, they looked OK. The, the, the big move is Spain. Uh, they're into $4.20. USA is still favourites at $3.60. Uh, Australia, after being around $13, $15 before the tournament, are out to $26 to win it. Uh, and essentially, we have to win uh, on Monday mm. night. We have to beat Canada. Uh, we've got that match priced up already. At the moment, Australia at, at the moment, Australia dollar, uh, sorry, $2.25 to win that match. So essentially, $2.25 to, to go through. They have to win. That draw's no good. I mean, the big question, I suppose, is the fitness and availability of Sam Kerr. You know, obviously a completely different team with, with Kerr in the mix. If she can walk, she has to play, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she that's a fair call. She on the bench, and, uh, and unless we, we take an early lead, you'd, you'd think she's, she's got to play a part in the match. Otherwise, uh, I think we might be bowing out. No, 100%. Thanks very much, uh, Craig Driver. Chances are you're about to lose, so for free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Want to be treated like a very important punter? Getsetbet.com.au and download the Get Set Bet app today. Thanks very much, Craig. Oh, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> scared him off. We scared him off. Hey, did you hear, uh, I tell you what, someone with a bit of loose change that could hit up Get Set Bet is Kylian Mbappe. Reportedly offered a $1.1 billion one-year deal. That sounds silly. Just, just think about mm. that for a moment. $1.1 billion one-year deal with Saudi Arabia club Al-Halal. Um, part of that money was the transfer fee that they would have to pay to PSG, but his salary would reportedly be on around $776 million, give or take, which is um, decent coin. What would you do with that kind of money, Robert? I'd um, pay off my debts. <laughs> <laughs> you hit up, hit up, hit up Rain and Horn Darwin for a, for a property, I'd imagine. Yeah, get, a, be the get first a house thing in the do. city, get a house in Bali. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Hey. They'll cover it. So we spoke a little bit about uh, Willie Baird's appointment at Tracy Village. I believe Tracy Village... Um, the men's team, uh, I was going to say the Premier League reserves, but I think they're still in the Division 1 this year, are likely to announce their appointment in the coming days as well. Uh, most clubs are starting to think about starting training right now. I think most clubs, nearly every club would have a date. Um, I've yeah. seen Wanderers running up the foreshore and running down the beach, so some clubs are already getting together. Um, going to focus mainly on AFL for the rest of the show, but I do want to ask you, because I was watching the news and they were talking about breakdancing as an Olympic sport. Now, I can understand the uproar because when you think about traditional sports, you're not putting breakdancing in that, but it's a mm. yes for me because I always turn on the Olympics and there's always that initial excitement. You watch the opening ceremony and you're thinking, I'm going to watch the Olympics all the next three weeks, I'm going to be glued to the TV. And then you get stuck watching some random sport that you don't know the rules of and you don't know anyone at all that's, you know, that it's not offered in Darwin. You don't know anyone that plays it. Um, and that's taken up half the first week. So I'm an athletics guy when I watch the sports, um, Olympics, but I will be tuning into the breakdancing. Is it a yes for you or a no for you? 
Probably no at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind the athletics as well. Is um, chess in the Olympics? No, nah, I wouldn't no. say so. Um, I think more of that physical sort of strain. But then, then again, you know, that could come into break dancing. Um, yeah, but it's an interesting one. I have mm. seen there's a few different sort of uh, ideas popping up, 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 up and around at the moment. I don't know what's going on. I've read this article. It says every single Olympic event ranked 339 to 1, obviously. 339, they've got the men's 50-kilometre race walk. That's definitely a sport. I mean, you can argue about the legitimacy mm. of walking races, but... Yeah, I don't know. That's there'd be better athletes than the breakdancers, surely. Yeah. Um, um, also, should we touch on the Socceroos as well? With yeah. The um, loss. We found a lot of criticism on the coach as well um, about some of his decisions, but I wonder if it's one of those things where there's not much criticism on the players either. Well, I suppose that's always a you know better than anyone as a coach that. Um, the buck stops with the coach. I suppose I'm not going to talk like I'm an expert here. I haven't watched a lot of soccer over the last week or two, but I think the way I would look at it, regardless of what sport we're talking about, if you think the problem with your team was structural issues or game plan issues um, or even motivation issues, then the blame probably goes back to the coach. Um, if it's simple skill errors or missing opportunities on goal or, or bad errors in defence that lead to goals, especially in a game like soccer where it's a game of inches really, you might be the best team and control possession for 80-90% of the game, but if you can see that goal, it's um, you know it's, it's huge. We've seen a lot of 1-0 losses and stuff like that. So, I don't know. That's my take. Did you ever? No, I think I don't know if they're just being. I think I think it goes both ways. Um, I just can't I f- struggle to find articles on the Matildas' mm. performance. Yeah, um, it's just blaming the coach. So very interesting. Obviously, Sam Kerr's injury would be interesting to find out what's going on there. Yeah, well, I thought it was a big personnel thing as well. I thought mm. that, like again, I'm not, I'm not an expert here, but I thought taking Sam Kerr out of the teams, like taking you know Gary Ablett Jr. Yeah, out of the Gold that, Coast back in the day. Sure. So yeah, um, I think that might be the issue there. Mason Redmond has re-signed Red with dog. the Bombers. Um, thoughts on that one? Are you happy with that? Because he would have been compensated quite fairly had he have left, maybe. But um, but you've kept him. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, definitely coming to his own a bit at half back. I think I think probably Parrish is one of my favourite players, but I think he's probably the one that's expendable. But it sounds like he probably will sign. Mm. Um, I was probably more concerned about keeping Redmond, to be honest. Um, I just think it's we've got a lot of young midfielders coming through. Will Parrish be a long-term deal? Or more of a one yeah, or two year. Yeah. I'd say maybe a three year. I'd say, yeah. um, but he's getting to that age now. It's Parish about twenty five, I think. So yeah, not so much the age. More just <laughs> I thought that Bombers almost wanted to tread water a little bit and work out how they wanted to set up their team because, as you said, you've used the word expendable for Darcy Parish, and mm. I do agree. And it's mm. a feel a bit bad for Parish given that he runs around getting his thirty, forty possessions every week. But Matthew Lloyd also put his name on the table. Um, yeah, there was there was a champion data stat that showed that his performances against the top six sides is is very extremely low. Mm. So he does have a bit of a flat track bully about him. Um, so yeah, I don't. I guess taking that information in, it sort of makes me question it a bit. I like playing Ben Hobbs through that midfield role, mm. and I think that he could almost fill in, you know, and take Parrish's spot. Um, he won't get as much of the ball yet as Darcy yep. Parrish, but let's not forget, Ben Hobbs is a better player than Darcy Parrish was at the same age. Darcy Parrish mm. took a few years to come on um, and then has played really good football. If Ben Hobbs can follow a similar trajectory, that's going to be great news for the Bombers midfield. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you also... 
add in Elijah um, as Sardis, well. Exactly. Um, First Sardis, emergency this week. Yep. Um, he might be sub, maybe. Mm. Um, but you add in those guys. I think midfield, I think it's not so much that we've got great midfielders, but it's more that I think we need the key back in Mackay sorted. And we probably might need a big forward. Mm. Um I'm slightly concerned with Weedman and Peter Wright, both blokes. They're both very good players when they can play, but both blokes at clubs wanted, you know, thought were expendable themselves. Well, you mentioned flat-track bullies, mm. and it's a bit disrespectful to put Peter Wright and Sam Weedman in that category, but that's what I, that's the impression I've gotten watching Bombers over the last couple of weeks. Um, he could be stronger in the contest, surely, Peter Wright, at times. For a he's player only, who's yeah. just about the best kick in the AFL, and he's 204 centimetres, it's yeah, something... You just put a slight bump on him, and he'll, he won't. And I think against the Bulldogs, he actually generally just missed a lot of marks that he probably should have taken. There's probably mm. two free kicks he missed, but... Any body contact on him is just really bizarre that he just doesn't have a next mm. level to mark the ball. We have it's to throw to a break very, very soon, mm. Robert. But I do want to ask a couple of questions. Um, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, everyone's talking about Harry Mackay. Sorry, Ben Mackay. Maybe Harry, but Ben Mackay going to the Bombers. Um, surely that puts a bit of strain on Zerk Thatcher's spot. Do the club not rate him? Or is it just, you know, is he another one in that expendable category where they think he may not be good enough? I think I'm not too sure on that. Eh? I, I think maybe he, he wants to leave. He doesn't. Knows. He doesn't seem as strong as Ben Mackay. But then a couple of the commentators around Ben Mackay have sort of said that they don't rate him as highly to what he's been offered as well. So mm. obviously he's offered a very juicy contract because of the role he plays. Um, but it might be a bit of a sw- swap around, and maybe he might get more out. But Cirque Thatcher had a few good games this year. Um, and he's going to need to play well maybe, tomorrow night. Maybe, and I don't know if this has been reported. I'm like guessing here, so I don't want to... Yeah, maybe he's been spoken to already by Port Adelaide. Mm. So Port need a key defender, and his junior club was Sturt in the Sandful. And then, yeah. obviously, there are slight rumours about Mitch Georgiades potentially looking for a trade home. Young, talented key forward who's now recuperating from an ACL injury. Before we go to the break, would you swap Brandon Zoe Thatcher for Mitch Georgiades? Yep, but we'd have to give up something as well, wouldn't we? Yeah. I reckon probably we'd have to get a first or second round pick with it. You reckon? I reckon. Gee, I don't know. I don't I mind Giorgiardi's, but he's done his knee playing in the Sandful. He's 22, 23. Is that in-between sort of size? I mm. think that you're getting more with Giorgiardi's. I would prefer Giorgiardi's, say, as a Richmond supporter, than I would Zerk Thatcher. But I don't think there's too much difference. I reckon you could get it maybe, you know, Zerk Thatcher and Bombers as second for Giorgiardi's and Powers. Sorry, uh, Powell is second and Georgiades for Zach Thatcher was his first something like that yeah, I a little bit of a swap it, yeah but I think the upside of Georgiades like you only can play but he's mm. gone back in that pecking order at Port hasn't he so yeah. um, and the knee issue and the knee issue so right. he's definitely a player that we probably w- would need at Bombers but mm. it's another player that's on the fringe at his other club that's coming over it's not that number one forward yep. but then we've seen the former Ben King has also drop off so alrighty all right. Rob, we're going to go to a break. Then we're going to try and smash out all of last week's AFL action as quickly as we can and get through some of the big games this weekend. Stay with us. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Um, I was an excited person last weekend, Robert, watching mm. the Tigers and Hawthorne game. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest start. Um, by Richmond. I'll get the score up very, very soon. Where are we? Um, you get the score there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. First game. I thought it was a Sunday game. 14-12-96 defeated Hawthorne 15-5-95. So, 26 scoring shots to 20 there in favour of the Tigers. Um, 
I thought Jack Ross played one of the better games of his career. He could be a great long-term wing option for the Tigers if he keeps up this form. But Prestia was good. Broad was good. A good cameo performance from the debutant, Matt Coulthard. Um, I'm happy to see Sam Banks getting a good, solid opportunity, getting better every week. But you sent me a message saying uh, Dusty and Taranto as slow first quarter starters. What Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, no. It's just that um, previously... I, I just threw the stats and that sort of thing. They've been slow mm. first quarter starters and um, I wonder if, you know, if Richmond do go deep or um, play finals or if that comes on, if that's going to become an issue against mm. the sides that start quicker. I think that uh, the Tigers are a momentum team and I think it's all about playing good enough football for long enough. I think when Tigers flick the switch, they can play quarters of football or halves of football that can match it with just about any team in the competition. Um, I don't know if that's a game plan thing or a strategy thing or a motivation thing or an age thing or whatever it might be, um, but... It's just been frustrating watching the Tigers. Like, I think the win last weekend sugar-coated how poor the performance was, really, against the Hawks. I thought it was probably the worst performance of the season um, for Richmond. Uh, Jack Revolt and Trent Cotchin both showed their age last weekend, two absolute champions, but both were ineffective last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Dusty and Taranto, and the pair finished with 47 disposals and, more importantly, five goals between them last week. So... Not bad numbers, really. I think um, Dusty and Taranto are among maybe five or six players that are averaging over a goal a game and 20-plus possessions. So in pretty elite company there. I think that's the big thing for me with Richmond. I look at the team and think, hey, this is a team that can that can beat anyone. But um, but it's just, it's just not clicking for them. Their best is good enough, but it's just not happening enough. Um, yeah. But they were lucky to get the job done last week against Hawthorne. Did you watch any of that one? Watch bits of it. I really, um, yeah, because I had some stuff on Saturday, yeah. so I missed bits. I watched bits of it. Obviously, I was rooting for Hawthorne because for that top eight squeeze for the Bombers, and obviously we didn't touch on the Bombers game on Friday night. No, no, we're going to just go with that one, and then we'll go back. So I thought we'll yeah. get the important ones out of the way, not those 41-point dead rubbers that you get on Friday night, ruining everyone's start to the weekend. But okay, fine. We will talk about your team, the Bombers. Uh, 13-12-90, Western Bulldogs scored, defeating Essendon 7-7-49. The Bombers had a good start. A really good start. They led it quarter time by 11 points, um, but a six goal to two second quarter by the Bulldogs really sort of swung that momentum. Uh, Tom Libertore, I thought, was probably the most influential player on the ground, or certainly right up there. 36 disposals, 12 clearances, definitely slips under the radar. Libba, um, but a very good yeah. footballer. Libba's having a good year. Um, Bont putting up claims for All-Australian captain. Um, I probably would Bravo. have him um, at All-Australian captain, and definitely wouldn't be surprised if he um, polled very well on Brownlow night and wins it. Obviously, from a Bombers perspective, it's disappointing. Another, you know, I, I thought it would finish probably 14, 13 to 15 probably this year. And I think many pundits had us around 12, really, was probably the average ranking. But once you start well and start winning games, the expectation gets up. And I think the Bombers supporters have pretty much been the most loyal supporters in, in the whole comp. And for us to be told again Mark Robinson's obviously a bomber supporter <laughs> so um, for him also to bring up that you know we understand it's Scott's first year but bomber supporters have been told next year for way too long yeah um, Saturday night if Saturday night's a blowout or we don't win I mean we've got to win Saturday night we're out, we're out to $2.20 now against the Swans it's in Melbourne. I think it's in that must-win category. I don't think an honourable loss in any way, shape no. or form would be acceptable here for the Bombers. No, I, don't, I agree. Um, you know, because I think, we, you know, the, these games against... You know, going against Cats down there is going to be always tough, but mm. a pretty poor performance. And then Friday night, we hadn't had a Friday night game all year, um, and we put up that. So it's not, you know, and we just looked shocked. Um, 
and we didn't have an extra gear and it was so much disappointment but um yeah let's see what happens saturday night now to watch you'd be feeling less confident about bombers finals chances this year would you or do you still look at the draw and think nah we'll get it done because i think richmond are two points in front of bombers now but i look at the draw and i just don't think the Tigers are going to win enough games uh, to make it. I, I have us out of the finals in round 24. What about you for the Bombers? I think our best is good enough to play, but I'm just worried about our form for the last two weeks. The last two weeks, it just hasn't been hasn't been at the level. So, um, yeah. obviously, the, you, you probably give the Geelong one a pass, like most punters did. Said, oh, it's Geelong and Geelong. But then to put that up on Friday night, it's pretty disappointing. So... Yeah. Anyway. So I'll go through a couple of results here. Stop me if you think there is a discussion point. Yep. Uh, Sydney, 16-9, 105, defeated the Dockers, 12-4, 76. Pretty much how I thought, how we both thought this game would go. Dockers are a little bit more dangerous at home, but they're not the same team they were last year, and they're going to have to have a big off-season, the Dockers, I think. I suppose you persist with Justin Longmuir, but, um, you know, you got Fife for two more years, Sonny Walters for two more years. They, they would... You know, if we're doing our rankings, we did our NTFL rankings, the Dockers would have to be like a 3 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10 or something, given mm. they were they won two finals last year, or would they win one final and were competitive in another? Yeah, they're, they're, they've been highly disappointing, um, especially with their age demographic of the mm. list. You probably thought there was going to be some upside. and there'd be improvement. Improvement, and there just hasn't been any. So, yeah, I, I agree with that um, yeah. sentiment. Brisbane Lions, 9-10-64 defeated. Geelong, 7-11-53. Um, the Lions, dangerous as always at the Gabba. Um I think there was no question marks there. Geelong are an interesting team. They look like a million dollars when they're playing at home, but sort of have shown a bit of an inability to win away. Carlton, the game we missed, 21-14-140, defeated West Coast 10-9-69. Um, 9-5 to a two behinds at quarter time. Now, I'm a bit of a masochist, right? So I watch these floggings. When I see a score like 59-2 to two at quarter time, I'll tell you what, the Richmond and Hawthorne game was kind of heating up, and I still just couldn't stop watching the Carlton-West Coast game. You know, I was checking mm. the stats and refreshing and how many goals has Kerno kicked, how many super coach points has the Territory boy Sam Walsh got. Um, but, yeah, dominant. Uh, Kerno, is he better play without Harry Mackay up there? Probably. Um, you know, but that, you could say that against, you know, once you have a couple of really good defenders that double team him could become an issue, you know. Like this so week, potentially. This week, potentially. So, yeah, we're going to get a good taste of that tonight, aren't we? So, mm. But it was a good win as well for Carlton, considering they did have a few of their top liners out. Um, Chera and Cripps, who probably, you know, two, most, two of their best players. And Walsh getting injured, so it's a, it a pretty good win from him um, in the end. It's five in a row um, from 50-plus points. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Carlton. There's three more games to go to, um, and we're going to talk with NT Cricket CEO Gavin Dovey as well. So stay with us here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Remember the text line if there is anything you disagree with us, and I'm sure there is, text us in 0426 307 
Robert, we're smashing out some of these AFL games last weekend. Yep. Uh, Greater Western Sydney, you were big on this. I um, I knew you went hard and you said that they were the certainties pretty much. They were going to win easy against Gold Coast. They did. Um, 15-13-103-9963. I was watching that game secretly hoping you were wrong. Um, I was cheering on the Suns, but they just let me down again. It was a good first quarter, competitive at halftime, but... Gee, such a disappointing team. Nine goal to three in that second half. Obviously, they're going to have teething issues with a new coach and that mm. sort of transition period with Stuart Jew. But you wouldn't be overly inspired as a Gold Coast player or supporter right now, would you? No, definitely right. Um, they are a little bit of the basket case of the um, for the AFL, I'd say, the naughty, naughty child. So, um, mm. yeah, it's a very inter- interesting situation there. Um, obviously, it seems like Damien Harbick's going to be taking that job. He's hot favourite. Um, yeah, it seems, like, so it seems like that's going to happen. But and you've got some really good players out of form as well. Mm. Um, ben King hasn't kicked a goal um, nah. in the past five weeks, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's been so, a little while. Um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of issues going on there. Four weeks. Four um, weeks, yeah. But he's kicked, yeah, he's kicked three goals in the last six games. So yep. it's just not enough for a key forward of his calibre. Um, hopefully our boy, our friend at, um, at SEN Fridays in the top end, uh, Ben Long, can can in, go back to the VFL. He's been dropped a couple of times this year. We all know Ben at his best is a very, very good footballer. So hopefully he can just find where he fits into that Gold Coast system. Um, I think he's going to be helped too with a change of scenery. Obviously he's at a new club, but a new coach coming in as well. Obviously Stewie Jew um, had already been there for a couple of years before Ben Long arrived. Mm. Um, so I think with Dimmer or whoever it might be taking over, that's going to be another thing that helps, helps Ben. Um, do you still see him as that lockdown player? I know he played, spent a little bit of time on Toby Green last week, but do you still see him as that lockdown player? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, but, you know, if they want to try and mix the side around, uh, you know, the, for the interim coach and give Hardwick something to look at, you could move a few players around. Mm. Benny has played that small forward, yep. pressure forward role before. I know that he doesn't like that role, though. But, yeah. you know, he has played that role before. Um, I like Benny playing with confidence. Like, he's a good lockdown player, but I like, I think he's an underrated grab of the ball. I think his intercept yep. marking can be really good. Um, you know, you could argue whether he's big enough to play that third tall role, but I like to see him sort of leaving his man, going back and, and crashing packs, really. He's very tough. Mm. He's a hard player. He hits the ball and the player very hard. So that's what I'd like to see from Ben. Yeah, he, he did have that good season where he'd done a lot of intercepts and was like third or fourth ranked in the old whole comp. So, mm. no, definitely uh, for Benny Long there, mate. Bit of work to do. Giants are sort of ticking along nicely. I think yep. you said to me a pretty good mix of experience uh, and youth. And they will always have assets. Like, I think even this year they've got two or three first rounders. So they're either getting mm. Harley Reid or they're getting a couple of, you know, great players coming in or at least potentially great players. So, interesting one there. Uh, St Kilda defeated North Melbourne 9-15-69 to 9-7-61. I was... That was a boring game. I, I fell asleep for that. 18,000 people at Dockland, so they're struggling a bit, the old Saints. What was your take on Ross Lyons saying about the uh, the roof being open at the start made it a bit slippery? And that's why the standard was down. Was that just deflecting, do you think? Oh, somewhat. But I do think he probably has a point if it's, um you know... I think with the facility like Marvel Stadium that you... And it's, it's no new groundbreaking theory here, but they just closed the roof. I, mm. I enjoy... Sometimes you get a nice sort of overcast day earlier in the year where it's okay, but if it's in the middle of the year, um, it's about three or four degrees colder, firstly. And as a sooky bloke from the Territory, I, I want to be as warm as possible. Mm. And then you've got the fact that it just doesn't look visually good on TV. Have you seen how the lines and the shadows and all that yeah. sort of stuff? It's not a great-looking ground, yeah. I think, when the roof is open. So... 
um, deflecting a little bit. And I think Ross Lyon also said that North Melbourne were, you know, not a bad team and stuff like that. But come mm. on, you know, there's there's levels to this. And they are a bad team objectively. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was deflecting a little bit. But at the same time, maybe Ross is berating him behind closed doors and setting high standards and, you know, cuddling him in public. Plenty more yep. to come here. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Hey, we don't have very long here, Rob, we do yep. need to go to another quick break, or the news rather, but... Um, Let's talk really quickly about tonight's big blockbuster game, Carlton versus Collingwood. I think one of the best rivalries in the competition. This would almost be rivalry round because you've got the Giants and the Bulldogs who have an underrated rivalry, and then you've got the Showdown and a couple of other big ones. You've got the Battle of the Bottom between North and West Coast. So a pretty good round of football, uh, yeah. mate. Off the top of your head, because we are going to go through these games individually, but off the top of your head, which game stands out this weekend as the one that you'll be glued to the TV? Oh, it's got... It's got to be tonight. It's got to be tonight. Um, but I do have something on tonight, so I'm trying oh. to find a way to yeah, weasel myself out of that um, to get back home to watch that. Obviously, I'll be watching the Essendon. You, you probably Sydney shouldn't have said that publicly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, those people aren't listening. Oh, I'm sick. I'm not feeling very well. Yeah, no, we heard you on radio this morning, mate. Yeah, well, I think that starts at 5 o'clock, so I'll get there early and then, yeah, finish early. Done. Plenty more to come. <laughs> SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. SEN Top End, 16.11am. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We are expected to be joined by NT Cricket CEO Gavin Dovey. Gavin, do we have you this morning? You certainly do. Morning, fellas. There, Gav. I am. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, mate. Um, going all right. Going all right. Obviously, a public holiday, so a little bit harder to wake up for these early morning starts. But um, I am pretty up and about because as I have spoken to you, and I make no secret about this, I'm not much of a cricket guy. I'm learning. I'm watching the Ashes all the time. I'm studying. But I read about Tom Menzies, um, who is the youngest member of the Australian under-19 team. That seems like a pretty big deal, mate. What can you tell us about Tom Menzies and what that means for Territory Cricket? Yeah, it is great. Um, great story. Uh, a really talented young cricketer, um, born and bred in the in the territory. Uh, plays his cricket at Darwin Cricket Club, um, and just a tremendous young fella. Great family. Uh, and I've I've only been here six months, but from the moment I met him, it was really clear he he wants to play for Australia, and he's really he's really driven towards that. So this is a a fantastic. Uh, milestones for him on the journey, uh, getting picked for Australia under 19s. Not a um, not an easy thing to get selected no, into, as you can no imagine, with the, with the talent we got in Australia. So, just uh, yeah, a, a wonderful a wonderful story for cricket in the territory, and um, 
you know, hopefully a really inspiring one for, you know, a future generation of kids in terms of, Cap- sort of what's possible. Have you seen him play? Like, do you think that he genuinely has the talent to perhaps represent Australia one day, you know, on the big stage, in the Ashes, something like that? I know up in the Territory we have a reputation, and I think it's a good thing, but we have a reputation sometimes to overrate, you know, our young players coming through, depending on what sport it might be. Um, and I'd love to see that. I think we always got to back our local boys in. But is he, is he worth the hype? Is Tom Menzies a player that we might actually see play for Australia one day? Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I think the the best validation I could give you is we've got four really high quality coaches um, mm. up here coaching the CDU Men's Strike League, and you know Shane Jurgensen is the coach of the Desert Blaze, where Tom's been been playing Strike League. Um, Shane Jurgensen is the current New Zealand Black Caps bowling coach, so. Mm. You know, he's, he's been watching Trent Bolt and, and coaching Tim Southie and you know, world-class international bowlers for a long time. Uh, and, you know, he rates Tom. He reckons he's got a lot of talent and a lot of ability. Uh, and, and some of the other coaches, Darren Berry, Simon Helmer, mm. you know, guys coaching IPL and, and Big Bash have all said, look, Tom's got enormous potential. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good indicator of, you know, where he's at and, and uh, what might be, you know, around the corner for him. Yeah, I didn't quite grasp the magnitude of some of the calibre of coaches we have up in the Territory at the moment. When we spoke last time, um, I did most of my Googling after the interview and I was really impressed with just what our young cricketers have available in terms of knowledge and learning um, up in the Territory. What is happening uh, with Territory cricket at the moment? Obviously, things are heating up in the CDU Men's Strike League. Yeah, well, we got the final today. So, yep. you know, the last the last six weeks has been, you know, fantastic uh, 20 games of, of one day in T20 cricket have been played and uh, and it all sort of wraps up today over at Is that the Cyclones and Desert Blaze? It is indeed, yeah. Beautiful. Desert Blaze has probably been the best team through the through the course of the league and, and sort of Cyclones have come out of nowhere and, and sort of snuck in. Uh, so it should be a fantastic game um, this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock, uh, free entry uh, and you know, encouraging loads of people to get down there if they want to enjoy their you know, public holiday afternoon. Um, should be some fantastic cricket. But, um, but yeah, the talent, the talent this year has been great and the coaches have just been sort of icing on the cake. Uh, you know, the, the whole premise of it is to create the best environment for the guys to play um, their cricket here in the winter and, you know, the coaches are sort of key part of that. So we've been really pleased with it. Are you expecting to see a tangible effect and seeing perhaps um, you know our territory cricketers perform better at a national level in the juniors when they play uh, against other states? Um, are we expecting to see hopefully you know obviously it's going to be a five, ten, fifteen year thing, but are we hoping to see more cricketers uh, like a Tom Menzies representing at the national level? That's that's the plan. I mean, you know, you got to you got to build these things out, and they, as you say, they do take they do take time. So, mm. um, you know, I think our our goal is to get as many kids in the territory playing the game. You know, that sort of five to twelve age bracket, get get kids choosing cricket and, and loving cricket, and then it's you know up to us to build a pathway where you know there's there's more of these Tom Menzies um, type mm. talents coming through. You know, they're not they're not sort of isolated stories. There's more of them. So. There's definitely talent here. It's up to us to sort of create the, the pathway and the environment to, um, to give them the best chance. So certainly would be one of our goals. Yeah. Where is junior cricket at currently? Uh, how do the numbers compare, say, now compared to 
previous years because I made the remark a couple of years ago and, and I meant this with all due respect but as a school teacher, as a primary school teacher, I didn't know a single kid that liked cricket. Like they may have liked cricket, they might have watched it um, you know, with their families and stuff like that but I didn't know many many kids who that was their thing, you know, that, that was their main sport and that was the sport that they loved and, and they would read books about it at silent reading in school and stuff like that. No one, I didn't meet any real cricket nuts but at the same time, in the last sort of year or two, it's starting to emerge um, I know the kid that lives next door, to me, he's always hitting the ball with his cricket bat and plays cricket at club level, um, and he's got a few mates that always come around, and, and you know, cricket's the sport that they seem to gravitate towards. So I've definitely seen an increase in the last couple of years. Are the numbers at NT Cricket reflecting that? How is that sort of compared to, to in previous seasons? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think, I think the interesting thing's been how all sports are sort of looking at what, what were their numbers like pre-COVID, and what are they like now post-COVID and you know, which sports have immediately bounced back and which sports have a, a bit more work to do and try and understand that. But I think nationally, um, cricket's done a, a really good job in the last 12 months of getting those numbers back to where they were pre-COVID. Um, the sort of junior blast program that targets that 5 to 12 year olds is really starting to explode. And, and particularly in girls, you, what you're seeing now is probably one in three mm. girls, that, uh, one in three kids that do Woolworths Cricket Blast are girls, so that's, you know, fantastic. Um, and so hopefully another pipeline of in- incredible um, women cricketers uh, on their way. But he- here in the Territory, I think what what our, our best numbers probably indicate is that um, the kids that are playing cricket are having an incredible experience. So our retention is really, really strong. We've got some, some clubs that are just doing a tremendous job offering a great experience for kids and parents. Probably got a little bit of work to do, to your point, of getting getting more kids playing the game. But I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. We're starting to sort of see that shift a little bit, and, and that'll be a really big focus for us in 2024 is just, um, yeah, trying to amplify and get those numbers sort of really cranking. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think the sport's sort of bouncing back from COVID really well. Yep. Uh, just a really quick one, but... Is there any involvement in cricket and any participation in remote communities? Obviously, a lot of great natural sportsmen uh, in our remote communities up in the Territory. Have there been any programs by NT Cricket um, to try and you know, introduce the game a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, again, I'm only you know, six months here, but yeah. you know, we've got a really strong sort of rich history in um, a lot of different um, cups and carnivals you know, in remote communities through sort of Timber Creek and Borrowlawler and Tennant, Catherine, Alice, like sort of working its way down the territory. Um, you know, cups like the Dingo Cup, Barra Cup. the Imparja Cup, that's big, isn't it? Imparja Cup, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It all sort of weaves its way down to Alice for the Imparja Cup, which, you know, biggest Indigenous cricket carnival in the country. So um, I think I think there's more work we can do there. And again, it's, you know, one of the things I think we're going to try and focus on, um, really sort of building and promoting. Um, but there's, you know, some fantastic stories and, and history of, you know, cricket being played. Um, you know, in remote NT over the last sort of 20, 20 years, which, um, yeah, we want to see continue. Very good. Obviously, the Ashes on at the moment. We had a little bit of luck uh, with the weather in the fourth test. What did you make of England's innings last night? They were all out for 283. Um, the Australians dropped a couple of catches, but everyone seemed kind of positive when reviewing the Australian performance last night. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty interestingly poised, isn't it? It's been an amazing series um, a bit of a strange one ebbed and flowed a little bit and um, I, I thought after the first two you know we were sort of clearly the better team but England have fought back really well and and I think yeah first day sort of probably a reflection of the whole series it's sort of just delicately balanced there and 
it'll be an important, uh, really important day two for us. You know, one to sixty odd. Um, got a great opportunity probably to take take control of the test. So um, I'm sure the boys would be pretty determined to do that. But it's you know it's never easy in England with the weather and the conditions. You know things can change really quick and. You know, you can lose mm. clumps of wickets. So, um, you know, the door's open, I reckon, for us to achieve the, you know, the main game. We haven't, we haven't won the Ashes there 20-odd years. So, um, I reckon the boys have got a pretty good opportunity starting tomorrow or tonight. Oh, fingers crossed. Hey, enjoy uh, everything that you're doing at the moment. Obviously, for those who are not at the show, the CDU Men's Strike League Grand Final, City Cyclones versus Desert Blaze on today at 4 p.m. Where's that much at? Where's that being played? It's at Tero Stadium. Um, Terry Stadium, get, beautiful. Get on down. Yeah, and then we've got, uh, just while I've got you, we've yep. got the uh, CDU Top End T20 Series starting on Sunday. So that's as, as good a cricket as you'll see in, in the Territory at the moment. We've got six teams playing. Uh, the NT boys uh, kick off on Sunday at Gardens against Pakistan A, so that should be a great occasion. Uh, and we've got Melbourne Renegades Academy up here, Melbourne Stars Academy Papua New Guinea, ACT. So we've got six really high-quality teams, lots of BBL players, first-class players, international players, um, and you can find out more info at ntcricket.com.au. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Gavin Dovey, NT Cricket CEO. Have a good weekend. Fantastic. You too. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. Stay with us. SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, we are hopefully joined by Andrew O'Toole from NT Racing, NT Thoroughbred Racing, the Red Centre of Racing in Alice Springs this Saturday. Andrew, do we have you? Certainly do, boys. Good morning. Good morning, mate. How are we looking uh, for this week, Andrew? Thanks for the tickets as well, mate, uh, for the uh, Tabmetric Mile on Saturday. <laughs> Right, Robbie. Yeah, it, uh, we're into the second half of the carnival. This is day five, so five through uh, day eight comes pretty quickly. We have four meetings in ten days, and beginning with the metric mile this weekend, always a good lead-up to the Darwin Cup, and it's a good field this year too, guys. Uh, Twelve runners are accepted for the race. Maybe Sandblast, number four, might be the horse to beat. He's been uh, steadily improving, and his preparation was second last time out to Nwadaru in the Chief Minister's Cup, and uh, Heather Lehman, uh, I think, has him right where she wants him. Adam Nichols to take the mount. So I like uh, Sandblast in the metric mile. Uh, a handful of smaller fields on the day, guys, but um, probably as much interest um, in it as anything on the day is race three. That is the uh, Aspire Flying Sprint. And the winner of this race gets ballot exemption into the Palmerston next Saturday. Um, Gary Clark's got a young horse that he unveiled here the other week called Changes Coming, one by ten and a half lengths. He's only a low-rated horse, so about a 61. So he's uh, having a throw at the stumps here, put him in the... Uh, race to um, see if he can win and qualify for the Palmerston. So that's a, a big interest race, race um, three on the card as well. Yep, no worries, Andrew. Thanks for that, mate. And uh, looking forward to the Darwin Cup as well. Thanks, yeah, Andrew. Hey, Not far away now, guys. Yeah. Nah. Andrew, is this your busiest time of the year? 
Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> this yeah, is, I uh, thought so. Pretty, pretty manic at this time of the year. Obviously, public holiday in the top end today. But uh, like <laughs> you guys, I'm in the office. <laughs> awesome mate love to see it us, us hard workers um, good luck with right, everything mate. going on this weekend and, and the next month really um, you're doing a great job mate thanks very much for joining us this morning Thanks, guys. All the best, Dave. NT Thoroughbred Racing, the Red Centre of Racing in Alice Springs this Saturday. Always love talking to Andrew, and I know nothing about racing, Rob, but I love um, I love listening to those conversations, mate. He uh, speaks so passionately about it. Yeah, and, and he hooked us up with the tickets he as does. well. He's a, Legend. he's a good man. Um, let's talk about AFL. Let's talk about that for a change. Um, Carlton versus Collingwood uh, tonight is the match of the round for me, but there are a lot of good matches this well, you're weekend. you're tipping Carlton? I'm tipping Carlton. Yeah, I'm tipping Carlton. Oh, well, now I don't want to tip Carlton. <laughs> See, I was tipping Carlton because I thought that was going to be the one where everyone would be like, oh, that's a foolish tip, where I'd be sitting there thinking, hey, they don't know about this flu that's gone through Collingwood, and they don't know how much Crips and Chera is going to help them, but I don't know. I think I might have to swing back to Collingwood now. Um, oh, it's tip of the heart. Bobby Hill out. A handful of players missed training sessions during the week. Bobby Hill's out, and I sort of thought we'd have in Jack Ginevan straight away. 29 disposals, two goal, three last weekend in the VFL in the win over Sandringham. Um, and he was getting fairly close attention too by St Kilda defender Ben Patton, who's played a lot of AFL football. Where is Ginevan at? He's been named as an emergency, so definitely a strong sub chance. Um, but who knows? You know, he kicked 40 goals last year as a 19-year-old. He, he tore, tore the Bombers apart at Anzac Day with five goals. So definitely has talent. Um, I wonder what, when he's contracted to. Um, good question. I'll look we that can, up. You look that up. I yeah. think it's an interesting one, Ginevan. I mean, you look at a guy, and if you watch Ginevan play football sometimes, and this is incredibly harsh because who am I to make these judgments, but you sort of think he looks a little bit fragile or a little bit light and, you know, not the quickest sort of small forward when you compare him to Bobby Hill and other players like that. But you can't argue with goals. He knows where to find the goals. I think when he was 9 or 10 years old, he kicked like 100 goals in the under-12s grand final or something. So yeah, what do you do with Ginevan? Yeah, he's contracted till next year, so he does have some time to sort himself out. And probably he'd probably want to lock into that side. Mm. Um, there was talk about the Collingwood dynasty, and they do look like a pretty young side as well, um, Collingwood. So mm. they, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, battle is. away for the next 18 months and see where he's at, I'd guess. So probably not the busiest off-season, just stay put, head down, bum up type thing, have a good pre-season and, and stick at Collingwood and see if you can find a spot in, you know, what's obviously looking like a very successful team. That's that's where your head's at? Yeah. Well, he hasn't played since round 12. It's crazy. No. So, um, yeah. How many games has he played this year? Do you know? Maybe uh, about three or four? He's played... No, he's played at eight. Oh, he's played a few. Played more than I but thought. I don't know how many were sub. Maybe one or two were subs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Definitely but, a player that um, opposition clubs will be watching. Yeah, I mean, I'd like him at Richmond. Um Speaking of that, Harry Mackay. Uh, obviously, we had earlier in the show, we spoke about whether Charlie Kerner is a better player. And, um, you know, that's sort of still a work in progress because against Collingwood tonight, there's going to be a lot of key defenders that are going to be smashing into Charlie. And Charlie might have thought last weekend that he's a better player, um, you know, without without uh, Mackay in the team. But he could have a tough assignment tonight, Charlie Kerner, I think. Mm. So what do you do with Harry Mackay? On big coin, on a long contract, they've just re-signed Tom DeConey, who can sort of play in that role as well. Do you keep Mackay or do you try and do a um, do a Grundy and offload him to another club? I think so. I think you probably could, but it just depends if you don't want to upset the player as mm. well. I think in, in today's market, players should expect it a bit more. Mm. Um, they're going to get their contract honoured and another club might honour it. I know that Essendon have been in for Mackay yeah. you know, twice. Um, well, they didn't draft him and Kerno. In that two Mackays on your list. Yeah, definitely. Um, something like that could happen. Um, we've got the money. But yeah, I, I just, don't mind that. I don't. I don't mind it at all. But it just depends on you know Carlton giving him up. And I haven't heard too much about Carlton saying it. So. 
If push be... come to shove, and I don't think this is going to be the situation, so Bomber supporters might think I'm a moron for even proposing this, but do you let Parrish walk out the door to free up enough room to get both Mackays in? I probably would. I would too. I, I'm really concerned about our, our tall men stock up forward and up back, and we drafted those kids. Um, you know, Cox won't be a key position player, I don't think, and um, Zach Reed's injury prone. injury prone, and he's very light, so... Mm. He's still probably two years away from being a dominant key defender. Plus, he needs continuity that. to play. Mm. Like, he's, he's two years away, but if he has another six weeks on the sideline, then it's two years and six weeks, you know what I mean? Like, he's just got to keep playing games of football. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to a tip. Collingwood-Carlton. Are we going I'm with going, Carlton? I'm going with Carlton right. tonight. Might as well go with Carlton, because I couldn't stand it if they get the job done and I didn't tip them. Greater Western Sydney versus Western Bulldogs. A great rivalry, this one. Um, the Giants mm. have been building steadily. Can they beat the Bulldogs? Yep. But I'm not tipping them. Let's but the they dogs. can. Yep. All right, I will go with... Is this one in Sydney or in... No, this is in Ballarat, Ballarat isn't it? Ballarat, yeah. Ah, uh, gee, that might... I'm going to go the Giants. I'm going to go the Giants. I'm going to say they're going to channel their inner Canberra weather and, and mm. play well in Ballarat. I'm going to go the Giants. Um, I'd love to see Wade Dirksen get an opportunity at some point this year. He has kicked 31 goals in the VFL, which places him in the top five in the competition. Um, and still a player, too, who I think has some improvement in him. Didn't really go through the traditional pathways. I've heard on the grapevine that he will be offered a new deal at the Giants after attracting some interest from rival clubs, but let's get him in the AFL, give him a debut, see how he goes. Yeah. Um, Geelong versus Fremantle, not much to write home about. Geelong hot favourites in this one. They must win and they will win, you'd imagine. Yep, I agree. Brisbane versus Gold Coast. Bit of banter on social media between these two clubs during the week. Mally Roses returns to the Suns after 26 disposals and a couple of goals in the VFL last weekend. Plenty of football shared around by the Suns reserves. Braden Fiorini and Constable had 84 disposals between them. I don't think they're going to beat the Brisbane. Are we going the Lions? Yeah, Lions strong there. Essendon, Sydney. Um, feel free to expand on this if you like. I don't have a lot to say about this one. I'm back in... I think... Look, I'm going to go to the Bombers for no reason whatsoever. Who's going to win this one? I'm going Bombers, but have very minimal confidence on the boys to, tonight. In, in in about 20 or 30 seconds, why are you not confident? Is it just as simple as past results, or you yeah, think about Sydney's pace? Or? The, no, I think we match up pretty good with Sydney in general, but I just think the last two weeks, how we've played, has been a worry. Um, and we've just been let down so many times Just a lack of confidence. Lack of confidence. Yeah, fair. But I'm tipping them. All right. I'm tipping them on the tipping comp. Okay, then. Well, if you're going to go Bombers, I'll go Sydney. I'll yep. change my tip, Sydney. Adelaide versus Port Adelaide. The Crows got the job done last time. Um, Isaac Rankin is a big out for the Crows. But I tell you what, do not discount how big of an out Scott Lysette is because that has forced mm. Dante Vicentini, who's only played one game. He's 20 years old. Very, very raw. He's been named as the starting ruck. So that's a huge mm. job for a 20-year-old. His opponent, Riley O'Brien, Ryan leads the AFL in hit-outs and is almost having a career-best season. So I reckon that hasn't been spoken about a lot, how, how much that matchup could potentially hurt the power. Jeez, yeah, that is, um, that is massive. Um, is if it that, enough if to that, convince you? No, to... it's not. But, yeah, I, I, I think Adelaide hit a bit of a form slump now. Mm. But back playing at home, Adelaide are you know, really good at home. So... Um, they're always a better side in Adelaide, so it's going to be a tight contest. And I don't think it'll be, you know, it'll be three, four goals either mm. way, I'd imagine. But I'm, t I'm sticking, sticking with Port. I will go Power too. I think if Isaac Rankin was playing, I might have been able to be swayed. But we'll go Power. Got to be quick here. Hawthorne versus St Kilda. Hawks are the underdogs, but I've got them winning this one. Where are you going? I'm going Hawks as well. I'm mm. in my four prong multi. I'm going to put Hawks in there as well with Carlton Lions and Melbourne. Yep. Richmond versus Melbourne. Um, as we said, the Tigers' best is clearly good enough, but can they do it for long enough? Cochin and Revolt both showed their age. Still no Toby Nankervis, which spells a bit of trouble with Max Gorn in dominant form. There's that Grundy situation and whether he plays. Who's your tip here? I'm going Melbourne strongly. Melbourne strongly. West Coast versus North Melbourne. Let's go through that one really quickly. Uh, obviously, both clubs with plenty of troubles. Who's winning? 
Uh, north. Yeah, yeah, I'll go north too. Enjoy the weekend, guys. A long weekend here in Darwin. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter.